Hello and welcome to Lawyerish, a podcast for the people. Lawyerish is a safe space to learn, grow, inspire, and be inspired. So come along and ride on this fantastic voyage. Let us go be great together. I'm Brandon J. Wallace Esquire, and I'll be your captain. It's a whole vibe, a whole special vibe today, and I sure am glad you're here. Lawyerish is brought to you by Apex, where aptitude meets excellence. And our voyage vibe today is brought to us by Leanne Womack. This is her signature song off her 2000 album, Hope You Dance. This is I Hope You Dance. A reminder to us all to not let life pass us by, to take that leap, to do that thing, and to live life to the fullest in every opportunity. Means a lot to me that you're here today, folks. This show is about dancing. <laughs> it's my I hope you dance. Uh, and I danced. Uh, thanks to you. So I appreciate that. Hope you're doing the same in your life. This is a special episode. This is the first of a two part finale of our very first season. Thanks so much for being here. Blessings to you and to yours. Let's get right in to Duly Noted. All right, friends, we are back and it's time for Duly Noted. But before we get into the hot topics for the week, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. I want to remind you that our next uh, episode, the second part of our two-part finale, will air on April 19th, and there we will get into the roundtable, uh, uh, some reflections over the first season, and a really exciting uh, motivational mo- moment that you're not going to want to miss. It's got to do with roof-digging friends, right? Don't want to miss it. We've got some exciting news there. Uh, and it's not too late to send in your legal questions. If you've got legal questions that you want answered for free, then you need to send your questions to lawyerish at apexgroupdc.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at bwallyesq or at apexgroupdc. You can get your legal questions answered. Don't delay. Do it now. This is a free service that we're offering to you. We're going to talk to some of our guests from the uh, from this past season and get your specific legal questions answered. Don't miss this opportunity. You don't want to miss it. Um, so looking forward to, uh, part two of our two part season finale, which will air next week. Uh, today we're going to keep it brief. We're going to do our, um, duly noted segment. Uh, then we'll do a, a wellness check, of course. And then we will likely wrap it up for the day, uh, for the day, for this week. Uh, and then looking forward to next week's um, episode. So, again, don't forget to send in your questions. Um, we're going to get into uh, the nitty-gritty of some of the legal things that uh, that you've been wondering. We're going to answer some questions today as well uh, during our uh, duly noted. So, anyways, let's get right into it. That's the housekeeping. Let's get into the duly noted space. So, this week... I've got to talk about, again, well, now, what what is now, who is now Justice uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. She has officially 
uh, been confirmed by the Senate and will be the first black woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. And I am absolutely elated. It's a beautiful thing to, to see come to uh, fruition. Uh, this is a lifetime appointment, um, and uh, this is just an exciting turn for our nation. And I'm super, super excited about it and excited about her uh, and what this means uh, for little black girls all over our country. And, and what a couple of years it's been, right? So we got to see uh, the first black uh, woman uh, vice president, the first black vice president in, in our nation's history, and certainly the first woman vice president in history, um, and the first African-American woman uh, to, to serve in the office, and that's pretty darn incredible if you ask me, and then to follow it up with the Supreme Court Justice, well, I don't have a complaint in the world. So kudos to uh, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, who nominated her, uh, kudos to Justice Jackson uh, for uh, standing in the gap and doing uh, what it takes to, to get to this uh, this high office, the, the highest uh, court in the land. And um, kudos to the Senate for actually doing something, <laughs> even though it was a struggle. Uh, so I've got a couple of questions that, uh, that I have uh, received from some of the people, and I want to address those here. Uh, one question I got um, is, what would have happened if the Senate vote failed? So that's such a great question. As you, as many of you know, um, or as, you, as we should know, if we don't, we're, we're going to know it today. Uh, the President of the United States appoints a U.S. Supreme Court justice. As I mentioned, it's a lifetime appointment, and so uh, when they are appointed matters, um, you know, the idea is to uh, nominate a justice who's got enough experience uh, to, uh, and credentials to, to lend to their qualifications to sit on the court, but someone who's, uh, you know, young enough to uh, stay on the court uh, for as long as possible. That is the game these days. And so uh, President Biden nominated to Justice Jackson. Um, and, and the question is, what would happen if uh, she did not uh, get the votes needed to pass? Well, let's unpack it. Well, it depends. Uh, the question, the answer to your question is, uh, it depends. Uh, and if you know anything about lawyers, that's always the answer to the questions is, is it depends, right? So it depends uh, if the vote were a tie, uh, like it certainly could have been in this 50-50 Senate, um, if uh, it was, you know, tied, there were 50 people who said, yes, she's qualified, or we confirm her, uh, 50 people said, no, we do not, 50 senators, I should say, then the vice president uh, would break the tie. And in this case, uh, one can presume that uh, uh, Vice President Harris would vote in favor of uh, confirming um, uh or casting, you know, this this tie-breaking vote confirming uh, Justice Jackson. Uh, so that's one scenario. What if uh, it was uh, not a tie vote, right? It was uh, firmly in the no column. Well, then 
uh, Justice Jackson, uh, or Judge Jackson in that case, uh, would not be confirmed to the Senate, and the, the seat would remain vacant. Um, well, technically, it could remain vacant, right? Also, uh, really, just, you know, just if we can take a step back here, the whole reason that we're here is because uh, Justice Breyer uh, has decided to retire, has graciously decided to retire. And because of his retirement, um, President Biden has been able to, to nominate Judge Jackson, now Justice Jackson. So theoretically, if the vote failed, uh, Justice Breyer could uh, decide not to retire. He could rescind his uh, retirement letter uh, and decide to sit, um, to continue to sit on the bench. Uh, and there's really not much anything, uh, really not much uh, could be done to, to, um, to stop him from doing that uh, or, or to... Uh, or as repercussion, um, as a repercussion for that. So if the vote failed, he could just simply say, you know what, I will just stay until you guys can figure out uh, a, a replacement. He could do that. Alternatively, if he was, um, you know, set on retiring and, and just, you know, uh, he was done for whatever reason, right, uh, then the seat would remain empty. Uh, and the court uh, would continue to hear cases, um, and if you know, there was, a, by chance, a, a tie vote um, on the Supreme Court on a major issue or on any issue, uh, then whatever the lower court's ruling was would stand. So, thankfully, we actually don't have to deal with any of that uh, this time, but that could happen. Let's see, you know, just a recap, if Justice Breyer decided to stay retired and Justice uh, Jackson's vote confirmation vote failed, uh, the, the seat would remain vacant uh, until um, the president nominated someone who the, tenant, the, who the Senate could then take up and confirm. Um, and so until then, until that, that happened, the, uh, the, the seat on the Supreme Court would, would remain vacant uh, and the court would, would continue to hear cases and make decisions you know, as it normally would, the only um, the only caveat is if there was a tie vote, uh, you know, four justices on one end and four on the other, then that ruling, uh, there would be no ruling, right? It would uh, revert back to the lower court's decision uh, on the matter. And usually a lower court has heard a matter before it gets to the Supreme Court. That's the way uh, it's designed. But great question. I hope that... Uh, is uh, I hope that answers your question. The other thing uh, I've gotten a question about is it says, uh, why doesn't the Supreme Court have ethics standards? Uh, and so this is a great question. I've gotten this, this one a couple of times. Uh, as I've talked about and you've heard on the show, uh, lawyers in general uh, operate or are governed by rules of uh, professional conduct, right? Uh, rules of professional responsibility, as uh, they're sometimes called. And so all lawyers, uh, all attorneys, I should say, uh, have to abide by these uh, these rules, and failure to do so uh, could result in uh, losing a license or, or even liability, um, you know, uh, financial penalties and professional penalties. So... The question uh, is in regards to is is why doesn't the Supreme Court have to follow those those same uh, rules uh, of professional conduct? 
And, you know, in general, the, the answer to that is judges are held to a judicial standard uh, of conduct. There are practices for, uh, uh, for practices and uh, sort of rules that govern uh, judges and judges' conduct. And uh, the Supreme Court is actually not uh, beholden to those uh, as well. They actually are the only judicial body that is not governed by uh, rules of uh, professional conduct necessarily. Right? Uh, there are some as attorneys, um, there are those rules as attorneys that they uh, you know, should follow or must follow, if you will, but no one's really holding them accountable to that, and I, I'm not sure that anyone really can as the, the way that our government is set up currently. Um, but um, this has all come up uh, because we, as the January 6th probe uh, widens or, or gets more in-depth, uh, we've learned information about the wife of Clarence Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas, uh, she was feverishly uh, sending text messages and uh, to the then White House chief of staff and uh, promoting uh, the the big lie, right, that the election was stolen and uh, that uh, all these foreign adversaries were involved in our elections and all these things that have been debunked by um, you know by fact checkers by news agencies been debunked many, many, many times. Investigators, um, all these things have been debunked, and it's it's clear that um, uh, that Mrs. Uh, Thomas is was knee deep in some of the uh, more uh, let's say, let's should say uh, the the less the more savory right or whatever the issue is. <laughs> She was clearly involved in some of the darkest uh, parts of the January 6th uh, insurrection. And uh, the question has come up because uh, Clarence Thomas has not recused himself. Um, Justice Clarence Thomas, pardon me, has not recused himself from uh, rulings involving the January 6th committee. And people are calling for that recusal. Uh, and technically, he doesn't have to do it. Um, and, and yes, you're right. And so the question is, why aren't they, why isn't uh, the Supreme Court held to uh, ethics standards? And the question, uh, the answer to that is, I don't really know. Um, I don't know why our system is set up that way. Uh, but it's certainly something that should be fixed and that can be fixed. Um until then, uh, people are calling for Clarence Thomas's Justice Clarence Thomas's uh, resignation. Although I don't, I don't see that as a likely outcome. Uh, but there are others. The calls are growing for him to recuse himself involving uh, matters of the January Sixth Committee, uh, which I think is appropriate and uh, not that far fetched. But I'm sure there are no guarantees on how that will turn out. But we'll be watching that closely as, uh, as we look into hearings uh, of the January 6th committee uh, and really get into the details of, of what happened that day and who was involved and how. This could get interesting. So we'll keep our eye on that. I think we all should so we can prevent that from ever happening again. 
And I think certainly the January 6th committee is going to have some real big uh, implications on our upcoming elections. So we'll be watching that. We'll get a chance to talk about that maybe in season two as we continue to watch. Well, that is Duly Noted. That was just my two cents, and this has been Duly Noted. Until next time, we'll be well. Hang tight. We'll be right back. All right, friends, we are back, and it's now time for our wellness check. Throughout this first season, we have really created a wonderful space to check our wellness. And I love that about this show. It's one of the my one of my favorite aspects about it. Uh, we have created space, and I've heard from you about how important it is for you as well. And so I really appreciate that. I think people value the wellness space. People want better and uh, more productive lives. And we know that we do that, we achieve that with our wellness, right? By minding our wellness. We know that it is a journey and uh, there is always work to be done when it comes to our wellness. And so we want to make sure that our space is one that is conducive uh, to that wellness work. And so throughout the season, we've talked about everything from being kinder to ourselves uh, today than we were yesterday. We've uh, talked about how to um, recognize when our in energy is off, uh, to name it, and to take an action to, to rectify it or to right our ship. We've uh, discussed uh, my formula for wellness, uh, the challenge the mind, punish the body, nourish the soul, and what that means. And I hope we're actually using that, using those and uh, testing this theory out. We've also talked about uh, uh, some of the consequences that we can see uh, without, with our, with the, without checking our wellness, right? With unchecked trauma, uh, an unchecked wellness, uh, some of the, the pain, the physical pain that we can endure. And then, of course, we've also talked about the importance, the importance of switching that ish up. Uh, and so it's really been an exciting and enlightening uh, season. And hopefully today is no different. Today, I want to talk about the importance of boundaries. Now, I didn't really understand boundaries uh, until well into my adulthood. And I'm still working through it. Um, but boundaries are important because they help define who we are. I was going through a challenging uh, situation in my relationship, and I had a conversation with my dad, and I was sharing some of the difficulties I was having. I felt like I was uh, banging my head up against a wall or just uh, running into dead ends. And he suggested I read this book. It's called Boundaries. It was on the New York, best, uh, New York Times bestsellers. Uh, over 2 million copies were sold. It's written by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And it addresses boundaries from a biblical standpoint, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Um, but it defines boundaries. It says boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins leading me to a sense of ownership. The book goes on to uh, 
to give a real life example of boundaries, uh, like a fence on a yard, right? And so if, um, if we have these sort of uh, emotional boundaries, and uh, that's lived out an example of a, of a a home on a property, right, that it's fenced in. That fence is supposed to keep the good things in, or the things that we want in, our property, our valuables, the things that we uh, that we care about in, and the dangerous, evil things or bad things out. And so boundaries, emotional boundaries, function the same way. Um, and so this book is so good. I, I certainly encourage you uh, to read it. Uh, so you can understand boundaries more. I'm still understanding more of it, but just remember that boundaries, they, can, they come in all shapes and sizes, and for all areas of our lives, there's boundaries with families, boundaries with our friends, boundaries with our spouse, and uh, with our children, boundaries at work and at church, and so on. Um, it's so important that we establish and understand our own boundaries. And that way, we know what we're responsible for. I know that I'm responsible for how I show up at work. I'm not responsible. Uh, I'm not responsible for how my coworker feels about what I wear necessarily. Right? Does he see how that makes sense? Right? I'm not responsible for uh, doing that job if someone can't talk to me respectfully. If I don't feel respected then that's a problem, right? So that's a boundary for me. And there may be, that probably is a boundary for a lot of people, is, is some self-respect. Um, but we have to establish those boundaries for ourselves, have to each understand uh, who we are, what works for us, what environment uh, works for us, how we can show up and be well in each space. Uh, examples, uh, other examples of that is timeliness, right? I've got friends who are... Um, very, very adamant about uh, time. And so if you want to be friends with them or you want to share space with them, then you've got to uh, be respectful of their time. That's a boundary that's been set by them. For some, as I mentioned, it's a, it's about uh, respect that people need to be, to feel respected. And so uh, if a boundary of mine is that I need to be, uh, be respected and feel respected, um, if you're my friend and want to engage with me or my loved one, then we show each other respect, right? That would be a requirement or boundary for me. Uh, and so there are plenty of boundaries. We all have them. What we don't do a lot of is exploring and developing those uh, boundaries. And so there are lots of other books about boundaries. I think uh, certainly not limited to one, um, but it certainly helped me to be able to provide some, uh, some clarity in my own space, uh, being able to say no uh, when to say yes, all right? Uh, it helped me really to take control of my life, and and I certainly encourage you to, to do some unpacking here when it comes to boundaries, because I think it will bless you as much as it has blessed me. If you found yourself uh, being overworked and uh, underappreciated, sometimes it's because you have no boundaries. You haven't said no uh, to the things that you need to say uh, no to, and you're unable to say yes to the things that you want to say yes to uh, because you weren't able to say no when it was time to do that. It's a tough issue, these boundaries. It's a tough uh, line to walk. We certainly want to be giving, and we want to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, but again, we go back to, the, to this point of self-care and to wellness in general. 
we always have to put our mask on first before trying to assist uh, before trying to assist others. If you've ever ridden a plane, you've heard them say that. Um, that if you lose cabin pressure, please uh, put this mask on and make sure you secure your mask before trying to assist others. That remains true, and the reason for that is if you don't put your mask on, you won't be good enough. Uh, you won't be in any good shape to help anyone else. Um, you, you won't. You will need assistance instead of being of assistance. And so, uh, boundaries help us do that, and uh, certainly something, a topic that we will continue to unpack. I hope uh, that you will begin to, to unpack it in your own lives, and I hope that I will continue uh, to unpack it more and more. Well, that's your wellness check this week. Remember to set boundaries. It's okay. Nothing wrong with it. In fact, it's everything right. At your wellness check, we'll be right back. Whenever one door closes, I hope one more opens. Well, friends, we have done it again. It's a wrap. We have just completed part one of our two-part season finale. I'm so excited for this journey. Thank you for listening and for watching. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and comment. Just like any voyage, it's always just a little bit more fun if you can bring a friend or two along. Voyage is brought to you by Apex, where aptitude meets excellence. And our Voyage 5, brought to us today by Leon, <laughs> Leanne Womack. This is I Hope You Dance, and I certainly hope you do. Thank you so much again for listening and for watching. Big shout out to our intern, Mr. Mark Simmons, and all his hard work. For my main man, Keith Jackson and Bad Rabbit, appreciate you, my man. And to my good friend, Ms. Jeanette Forge, CEO of Dash Coordinator for Marketing. Thank you all so much. You guys have continued to make this dream a reality for me, and I will not soon forget it. Much appreciated. We'll be right back here, friends, on April 19th. Remember, you can still send in your legal questions. That'll be our finale, our part two of our uh, two-part finale. That'll be part two. Uh, and you can send in your legal questions still to get answers. We're going to do our best to get your legal questions answered. Email us. It's lawyerish at apexgroupdc.com. You can also DM me at bwalleyesq on Instagram or at, at apexgroupdc on Instagram. Send your questions. We've got answers. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for being here. Looking forward to continuing this journey together.